This is the governor, Kane Womack, and you're listening to Fun Belt Podcast. If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Fun Belt. Very excited about the Sun Belt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Fun Belt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I got to join the show. It sounded sounds a lot of fun. The governor brings us into our new era of Fun Belt Podcast, as we are now a part of the Believe Network. Dusty Thibodeau, Warhawk Report, Jeremy Harper of HowRazor.com, Shane Metlin of the Daily News Record, the paper that I can identify with, but Jeremy still cannot. We're back from New Orleans, Jeremy, somehow, some way. Yeah, and you know what New Orleans really needed? It needed that. Well, I needed that Pulitzer Prize gravitas that Shane could have brought. And and with Grace McCall being a potential Heisman Trophy candidate, we should have had our, our league voters. I mean, Craig Stevenson was there from AL.com. Yeah. So we already secured there. one vote. We, we could have gotten another one. I don't know why Shane couldn't be there. I mean, we had it all set up, Shane. We had the table. We had the microphones. You know, everybody was checking us out because we were the most professional act going there i was wearing the smoking jacket tibbs was still like tibbs was in his element shane this is like what tibbs lives for it's like nothing but sids and he loves sids he's like pressing the flesh he's like high-fiving guys i mean it was like watching a master craftsman at work only it was it was thibodeau work in the room at sunbelt media days you answered the question though why couldn't i be there because Noah Fleischman was there, and they're only going to send one of us. So <laughs> they went with how, the sexy people. Shane is the <laughs> eternal player to be named later. Ah, so, all right. Well, but the Sunbelt Media Days was great. You know, we we did our interviews. I think you can see some of them here. But I thought the commission, in his opening remarks, made a couple interesting opening statements. One being is that Army is not joining. The Sun Belt, even though Army is constantly playing the Sun Belt, I really want Army to get in somehow. Keith Gill said that the Sun Belt, despite all this motion that's going on, is uh, they're standing pat. We're not really looking. What'd you guys think of that? I like it. I like the stability. I like the footprint that we have. There are a, a handful of schools that I think would fit into the footprint of the Sun Belt. Yeah, but none are really looking to jump ship for their respective conferences, and I don't see where the Sun Belt is looking to boot anybody else to make room. With the Pac-12, Mountain West being the schools that are likely going to be facing the carousel this time around, I don't see them even trying to poach anybody from the Sun Belt because does it really make sense if we're talking about ODU, James Madison playing in the Pac-12 or the Mountain West? No, it doesn't. They need to stay in the Fun Belt. Now, did you read that, Shane? Did you get the same gist from that? Right now, there's really no reason for the Sun Belt to look, to expand. Things could change. Things might change because uh, we're going to see a shakeup here. But really, I think unless the Americans starts losing some teams and maybe an East Carolina or somebody like that starts to look at the Sun Belt as a better option, yeah. like you don't really need to go looking for teams right now if you're Keith Gill and all the presidents of the Sun Belt because 
you like the league you have. You're not in real danger of losing anybody, I don't think. I mean, you can read the message boards and see everybody kind of trying to push Texas State out the door for some reason. Uh, not, not, not push them out the door, but everybody seems to assume that Texas State might leave if there's an opening in another conference with Texas schools. But I don't know if that's like a sure thing. And not, not that like Texas State is not a great school, great institution with tons of potential, but they're also, I don't know, somewhat replaceable just because they're kind of on that island in Texas all by themselves. So What's funny I, like, I like to think if they leave, they name Jeremy specifically because of his antics <laughs> of at Media Day pissing off the Viva La Boobcats. I've, yeah. I've already made an enemy of the SID at Texas State because I could not get. And guys, it wasn't just me. It was all of us. Well, maybe it was just me. J.G. Kinney. G.J.? That's what I said, right? G.J. Gary yeah, Joe. I think Gary Joe. Okay. Gary Joe. Gary Joe. Gary Joe. And the, this goes back too, because I believe you also had some trouble pronouncing their AD's name as well. <laughs> yeah. So there, there could be, even though it sounds just like Don Corleone, it's easy to remember. But uh, but these guys I, are very sensitive about the way they pronounce their names. Like I said, we're just some ham and egg podcaster guys. My God, this is Texas State. Anyway, though, I do hope Texas State isn't really getting on their high horse when it comes to leaving the Sun Belt, because that would give out some, I don't know, maybe some 2017 Georgia State vibes that were really unpleasant back in the day. And as far as expanding the Sun Belt, I'm probably one of the only guys who's like, man, make the Sun Belt too big to fail. I've written about it. The bigger the Sun Belt is, the stronger it is. Get all these guys in. Eastern Carolina, get them in. Army, get them in. Middle Tennessee. Idaho. Get them in. Idaho can stay the hell in Idaho. I don't care where they are. The rest of them, we need to have them. I think I think the, the ideal situation for the Sun Belt is stay where they are. Okay. But if the American gets rated to the point where they don't have an advantage TV wise and East Carolina and UTS UTSA want to come in, sure. bounce things out, add some rivalries. Yeah, that'd be nice. I don't think that would be a bad thing. I, I, you know what? Personally, as a citizen of Arkansas State, Love to see Memphis get rejected by the Big 12 again <laughs> and just finally accept their fate and join the Sun Belt. That would be great. That, that would be awesome, too. <laughs> All right, something else that Gil said. Maybe that was a little more deeper. It's a little more cerebral and probably out of my brainwave. Is that he was really calling to action, saying, hey, listen, Congress needs to get involved in NIL. There, there are too many Wild West scenarios going on. It's a lawless land. Everything needs to be put together. NCAA isn't going to do it, I guess. So Congress needs to step in. Does Congress need to get involved in this or or are we asking for oversight that we just don't need? We're going to get heavy, I guess, because start talking about politics. Um, yeah. Yeah. Congress might need to get involved at this point, but that's the NCAA's own fault that has yeah. gotten to the point that they, you know, they had over a decade to sort this out before it got thrust upon them and they just kicked the can down the road. And now, now, and now it's a mess. And I, I don't know personally if I totally like the idea of Congress 
start to tell college sports how to run itself. But at the same time, every state legislature is starting to do it and that's going to be tough to manage. So yeah, I, I understand why the commissioners and a lot of presidents and ADs and everybody else are kind of asking for that at this point. Yeah, I imagine there's just some frustration, especially among smaller schools. They're just looking to get their NIL program set up and they're like, ah, oh, what are the rules? Is it tax deductible? Uh, who, what, what are we allowed to, to, to bring in? What are we allowed to, what are we allowed to do in general? Why are some schools getting away with other things that we can't? Tibbs, what do you think, man? Weigh in on this. I have full faith in the U.S. government. Sorry, I could almost say that with a straight face. It, Everything like they Shane, touch turns to gold. Like Shane said, the NCAA had their chance. They kicked the can down the road. They outkicked the coverage. And now it is an absolute cluster. And, and I don't know what the right answer is for it. Is a congressional bill for it? No, because then it's going to be, well, that's fine moving forward but we're grandfathered in because we already had this and you still kind of have that wild west mentality. I think that there needs to be just kind of a hard line in the sand, maybe by the NCAA and their new czar of saying, here's your rules going forward from this date, no grandfathering. Here it is. Roll with it. I also think though, that it will probably kind of police itself because when the IRS said that there's no tax benefit to giving, Sure, I want my school to win, so I'm going to give them a million dollars in their their collective and, and you know support them for NIL. But it takes a little bit out when I don't get something back wow. by being able to write that check and, and get some tax credits on the back end. Yeah, we need some some uh, clarity on that. You know, something else Gil said, a, a third topic, something that that we didn't discuss in our pre-pro, but a little bit. We I guess we just discussed it a little bit. Uh, it's something that Shane touched on in an article that he wrote in the Daily News record, the Pulitzer Prize winning publication. Uh, he, uh, um, the commissioner mentioned that viewership had, had gone up like 100% since 2021, which you know sounds great. Everybody wants more viewership. Shane, did you dig into those numbers and, and figure out maybe exactly where the commission was coming from on that? <laughs> Uh, I did dig into those numbers a little bit because he was the only one. I went back and listened to the opening statements of, you know, basically the other commissioners, uh, the the group of five, if we're still using that term, sure. commissioners. And um, he, he was the only one who gave that total TV number when he said it was 35 million people watched Sunbelt football last year. Which, so to me, I started thinking about it the TV ratings for linear TV are available for the most part. There's a few, there's some games that didn't register for whatever reason, but you can kind of like start to play with the averages and stuff and get a sense of <clears throat> what, what was missing. So that kind of for the first time gave us some idea how many people are watching on ESPN plus because ESPN is never putting that number out. Okay. And so like, if you, if you take the, linear ratings that are available and then the few games that aren't available for whatever reason, whether a network or whatever didn't report or it just didn't make the news, whatever. You take that number and you can either do a generous or conservative estimate. It's 10 to 11 million people watched ESPN plus Sunbelt games last year. 
Okay. And then you can break that down by the uh, number of games that were on ESPN Plus, and you're talking over a hundred thousand, maybe as many as one hundred and forty-five thousand viewers per game on ESPN Plus, which is pretty darn good, I think. I mean, I'm not really that industry. that that also averages in our listenership for the Fun Belt Podcast, <laughs> also. Exactly, believe people. Do you hear that? Like uh, when you're when you're figuring out how to uh, pay us. Yeah, when are we going to start? live streaming games i mean we should get a we should get some sort of contract with the sunbelt and yeah. we, could, we could do a thursday night game here we could do that i but could just I'm, get my cell phone i'm trying <laughs> to, put, to put this in like uh terms for jmu fans like i'd written about this before when they were in the caa and they were on flow sports they were getting about five thousand people per game yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about just an unbelievable yeah. increase in exposure on top of, you know, money and everything else. Like, um, I feel like, and, and Keith Gill, uh, you know, our friend Noah, who was at Media Days. He, he oh, yeah, we asked, love Noah. He, he asked the questions for me. Like, I, I passed them along and uh, he didn't, you know, get into specifics, not surprisingly, but the, the gist of the answer was, yeah, we're, we're really happy with uh, the viewership and, um, you know, ESPN's really happy with the viewership too. And I, I think that's a pretty surprising number to be like in, in six figures pretty consistently for uh, ESPN plus viewership. But let me, let me ask you this there, Shane, what was the Sunbelt viewership in 1980? I have no idea. Uh, I can tell you uh, it was probably for, zero because there was football? no ESPN plus platform in the eighties. Yeah. My point being is that now that we all have cell phones, yeah. I know like my subscription that I have for my cell service includes ESPN Plus. So I think also <laughs> the exposure of the product out there, people are going to tune in and catch it regardless, not to mention mm -hmm. the regional footprint that we have is definitely making it a lot more appealing when it's a Georgia State, Georgia Southern game versus that Pacific University out in California playing Marshall way on the East coast as well. So I, I think that it's a really combination of things that have really helped drive that number forward. And, and none of the numbers surprise me. It, 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 it would not surprise me if they were even higher than that. Yeah. You know, it used to be with ESPN three as little as five years ago, the only way you could access it was like through your cell phone or through a computer. And now, you know, it comes with your Hulu package. It comes with your Disney plus package you know, it's just kind of part of, you know, your regular viewing if you're a seasoned streamer. So it's almost like <laughs> it's almost like you've got a, a a regular broadcast deal. And I think, you know, for ESPN, they they kind of chose the Sun Belt as I don't know if a guinea pig is the right word, but like their partner, the Sun Belt, the Big 12, they were leagues that they looked at and thought this is good for our ESPN plus content. This will get people to sign up because of those kinds of fan bases that maybe aren't, they're not Rutgers in <laughs> New Jersey that just exists by being in a large, a large Metro area. It's people in Huntington, West Virginia and Stillwater, Oklahoma and Hattiesburg and these places that will seek out their team, the media, the TV, the streaming, I don't think it could be going much better for the Sun Belt right now. Better than I expected, really, just in pure numbers. So, Tibbs, you know, you and I were at, you know, physically 
at Sunbelt Media Days. Some of us chose to go online, kind of like, you know, watching watching Sunbelt Media Days on Flow Flow Media. I mean, I, I watched it on ESPN Plus okay, right. and Zoom, but, but ESPN, <laughs> I had them both up. Tips, what was your favorite interview? I mean, we interviewed, what, 30 guys? You know, I, I think from a coaching side, the governor, of course, Kane Womack of South governor. Alabama. Uh, I thought Carter Bradley was pretty good. And, of course, Sean Clark, App State. He loves the show. He said he he, he listens in. So we, we appreciate the support. And, and uh, you know, he was another great classic interview. You know, Butch Jones, Arkansas State coach, invited us, me and Tibbs, and by proxy, you too, Shane, down <laughs> to Jonesboro to do our podcast there. But you know what? I'm going to tell you. There's one person that appears at Sunbelt Media Days that fascinates me above any other person in terms of just the sort of, I don't know, malvolent sort of angry energy he he projects. And that's Kurt Signetti, JMU head coach. Like last year, he was pissed off because JMU was predicted to finish last or next to last in the tough Sun Belt East. You could tell it peeved him. You know, it fueled his whole two days at the conference. So this year he comes in and he's pissed again. I'm like, he's first. I was like, what does this man have to be pissed about? And he's pissed because everybody's kind of doubting him or, or doubting the team because now that the, 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 they don't have a, a, a established quarterback yet, they, they don't have a guy with, with the moxie that, that, that they, who, who was the guy last year? Suddenly it slips my mind. Santeo is gone. Oh my God. How could I possibly coach without the great Todd Santeo? So he kind of finds a chip every year and puts it on his shoulder. And I don't think it's to drive the team. I think it's to drive Kurt Signetti. I think Kurt Signetti needs to have that atomic powered hate. He, he likes to throw coal on his, into his fire, his own fire. And, uh, you know, take any kind of slights that he, uh, he can take. And, um, use it, use it for energy. No, young Noah and I were actually standing in the uh, daily news record parking lot earlier today <laughs> talking about uh, how he opened up media day by saying how much he loves, loves media day. And we were both kind of like, bullshit. <laughs> you love media day? I, I believe the part that he says, like where he says uh, he likes it because it means the season is right around the corner. I believe that. I do not believe that this man likes being pulled out of his office for two days to go talk to reporters. I, I don't believe that part at all. I, I feel like at any moment he's going to reach over the table and just grab me by the lapels of my sh- smoking jacket and just shake some sense into me. And Grayson McCall showed off his bling. He had the big, big uh, championship ring, which I'm sure that made coach Signetti even angrier to see that flash. Well, Jim, you guys had their, Eastern Division championship rings. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I love, I love the dig. It this was, will be that will be fun for years. I, the The only shame is that um, <clears throat> Jamie Chadwell is no longer there for uh, no, you know, to, to, know. to get to get under Kurt Signetti's skin. If you if you like to see Kurt riled up, it, it's a shame that <laughs> Jamie Shadwell's not there to get him riled up anymore. So are you implying that there is a Liberty uh, series coming up there for Jamie? Um, it's they keep kicking it the dates down 
it's 2030 something at this point. Um, if Signetti's still coaching at that point, um, he'll, he'll enjoy it. But I'll tell you one thing, Tibbs, another great interview that I managed to get. I think you had to you step aside. Uh, Terry Bowden, ULM head coach. That guy, he's like just interviewing your 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 funny <laughs> uncle. He's jovial. He's a little elfin. You know, he's just kind of in a good mood. You know, he'll he'll lay down like the coach speak. You know, how about, you know, we got to improve on the offense to get some guys from the portal. But he's just kind of a storyteller. He st- told this nice story about how the time that he he uh, he was kind of out of work and he ended up kind of volunteering at Clemson. And then he used that time to get a master's degree, which was fascinating to hear from him. And we talked a little bit about his suits and why he wears them on the sideline. I asked him if that was part of his lawyerly appeal. And he said no. And he had a story about that. And he's just a really cool guy. He's an old school guy. I mean, he's 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 like Joe Pa, right? He, he He's going to show up and, and represent the old the old school shirt, tie, sometimes a hat. That's just what you expect out of uh, as the the Warhawk fans like to refer to him, tater tot. And I love the guy. I hope Terry Bowden never retires. I hope he coaches the Warhawks for the next 100 years. I hope that happens. That's just because you want to keep that streak alive. ULM will never beat the Red Wolves. Ever. It does feel that way. Speaking of never being able to be beat, okay. a, a team that you definitely got a beating from this year, Troy's baseball team. And we caught up with the home run king of the season, Sean Lewis, to give us the inside scoop on his big year. Newcomer of the year, player of the year, Troy outfielder Shane Lewis joins us on Fun Belt Podcast. Welcome in, Shane, as you get ready to get a minute to breathe and enjoy this past season. How did Troy kind of come on the radar for you? It might have been September of the fall when I was at Chipola one of our first couple inter-squad games. And um, one of the coaches came and watched. I think I had a home run that inter-squad. And next couple of days following that, they gave me, they reached out. And just from the conversations I had with them, uh, the way they talked, way Coach Mead, way Coach uh, Walgamot talked, it just sounded like, you know, they're bought in and they care about their players and they put their players first. And especially, like, they put academics first, too. That's what I like because – Baseball doesn't last forever. I'm going to have to get my degree at some point. Yeah, I asked him when I could come on a visit and uh, came on a visit. And I, it's kind of like my hometown. It's not very big. It looks a lot like Mississippi State does as far as like how the buildings are set up and everything. And just from walking around and stuff, it was awesome. Uh, the view's amazing. That's how I knew that I wanted to be here. And I knew Coach Mead was doing special things with this with this program, too. In Vicksburg, I mean, not necessarily within the footprint there of Troy, but was this a program you had known about beforehand? Did you even know anything about Troy? Um, the only thing I knew about Troy was that LSU paid them to come play them on homecoming, and Troy beat them. That's the last – that's the only thing I knew about Troy. My best friend from back home is a diehard LSU friend. And I remember for a year, year and a half, he was talking about how much he hated Troy because they beat him on homecoming. This past season, obviously, you're first in the Sun Belt, able to come in, break, I think, every record at Troy there, especially with 27 home runs, the single season home run record. What did uh, what did this season kind of mean to you? I mean, was it kind of a little bit of ease that you were able to join 
the league because uh, you know the pitchers didn't know you, you didn't know them, so it was it was kind of an even playing ground. Or, or what did you see this season? Yeah, I wasn't known by very many coming into the season, which you know that always helps being a hitter. Them not having a scouting report on you, not knowing how to get you out necessarily, and um, I just went into this year just kind of wanting to make a statement and just try, try to stay humble through it the whole time. And if I have success, I have success. If I fail, I fail. Um, just control what I can control. And luckily I had an ample amount of success and was able to stay humble through it. And then, you know, the awards were great, but that was the most fun baseball team I've ever been on. We were all best friends. And I think that's a combination of, why we made it as far as we did and we we just we came up just short in the end but I think if we do all the right things this year that we did last year I think we have even better team to make it farther than just a regional you said that you guys fell short in Troy but Troy kind of came in under the radar this year it was like uh everybody was focused on Georgia Southern they were focused on a little bit on coastal Carolina Louisiana always gets focused on Troy was, I wouldn't say it was an underdog, but they sort of just were, 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 were suddenly uh, this, this team that, that couldn't be stopped. How do you explain, first, why Troy didn't really get on anybody's radar in the preseason? And then what was the magic ingredient that made Troy so good this season? You know, uh, here at Troy, we don't buy into, like, all the hype, all everything that saying, everybody's saying, because we knew, I think we were ranked – seven in the preseason Sunbelt rankings. And um, it was just kind of our in-house expectation to – our goal was to make it to re, uh, Super Regional in Omaha, like make it as, as far as we could. And I will, I will tell you, we didn't – I wouldn't say we fell short. Like we had a great season, but losing your last game is always tough for sure. Able to go with an at-large bid, though, to Tuscaloosa. What was that like knowing that – hey, the fruits of all of our work are kind of paying off and, and, and we're getting recognized for this. I think I can speak for that entire uh, theater room when that when that, when our name popped up on that board, uh, that it was a dream come true. For the seniors uh, who's hung them up, that's the first, the first and last time they ever got to do something like that. And uh, just like I said, seeing your, seeing your name of their team's name up there is – is awesome. Uh, it just you get really emotional for sure. Uh, it just lets you know that all your hard work paid off from that regular season, and it it's always great knowing that you have more baseball to play in the postseason when most teams are are done. I think the the, the pitchers around the league were excited also for you having your twenty seven home runs, knowing that your name was being brought up a lot for the draft. I think I think we all heard the the cells go flat though, and they're like, "God, he's coming back again." What happened? Why 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 are you coming back to Troy for another year? The decision, my decision, was easier than I'm sure a lot of people on the outside looking in would think. If I didn't uh, come in, they like welcome me with open arms. Uh, this is one of the best decisions I've ever made coming here. Uh, this place is like home to me, and these people are like family. Uh, and again, I uh, I graduate in the spring with this year and next year left of eligibility. Uh, and I just don't feel like 
from a pers- like a, a, a baseball perspective, I just feel like I have to fine tune some things before I can be ready to be a professional. Uh, the past four years, I graduated in the class of 20 from high school. Uh, and that was when COVID hit and killed the season. So I only played 10 games that year. And then redshirt at Mississippi State. And then at Chipola was my first full year playing baseball since 2019. So I just feel like I'm, I was, I was, even though I had an, a really good year this year, I just feel like I'm missing the reps that I need to, because when you get that call on signing or on draft day and you sign your contract, you got to be ready to go. And I just didn't feel like I was ready to go. I didn't, I didn't want to look back in X amount of days or months and be like, I might not be where I need to be. Uh, just come back to Troy, fine tune all the things I need to do, and uh, get ready for the draft again next summer. So Shane, you were talking about there's some things that you'd like to fine tune in your game. Uh, you know, 27 home runs this year. But what are some personal goals that you would like to achieve next season? Is it more home runs? If that happens, that happens. But I definitely want to. I want to cut out the streakiness for sure. I want to cut out the inconsistencies, the swing and miss for sure. Um, and I feel like if I can do that, the home runs are still going to come. I definitely want to steal some more bags. I only had five bags this year, which I had a workout this summer. I ran a, a six four, so I, I know I have the speed for it. I was usually this year. I was either jogging around the bases or walking back to the dugout, it seemed like. <laughs> yeah, why would you need to steal bases if you're hitting dingers? That's yeah, nice. I, I want to try to be the, the most toolsy player I can be for sure. So have you reached out to Coach Summerall to try to run some routes with receivers to try to improve that speed? Or, you know, Scott Cross is always on the basketball court going, take the stairs, take the stairs so that you can get get the endurance up? For sure. Uh, I don't think I, – I played football in high school, and I think if – if I went out there with them, I would leave very embarrassed and very humbled. But no, that would be awesome. Um, that is one thing, too, I'm ready for is football season. I'm so excited for it. It's going to be a fun time. What's been the atmosphere like at Troy? I mean, between last year, obviously, winning the West, winning the conference there, basketball having a pretty good season, baseball having a great season, going to a regional. I mean, is, is the campus just on fire? And, and have they pulled the uprights out of the fountain yet? They have. Uh, they actually, I think they inserted the new one a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I definitely saw the atmosphere of this place change from move-in day in August last year to May, leaving day in May or June this year. Um, I think it, it just made everybody be like, whoa, uh, like we're a real university. And um, as far as athletics go and I've never seen so many people stay at a football game the whole entire game before from a student body standpoint, for sure. Usually everybody leaves at halftime. Um, that's just that just goes to show how exciting it was watching Coach Summerall and his team play every every Saturday. So this summer, I know you said you kind of taking a little time out, focusing on the academics, just kind of doing some personal workouts. Do you feel it's important, though, that you play in like these wood bat leagues to kind of further yourself? Or, or, or do you feel that uh, you can kind of do it on your own a little bit and, and that while they're important, you know, you, you need to focus on number one, so to say, right now? I definitely feel like uh, it is important, especially if you're a young guy like a freshman going into sophomore year or you're a guy that 
is at a big university and not ready yet and kind of missing your reps as far as waiting your turn to to be the be the guy be the starter I feel like summer ball is definitely definitely important and also it definitely gets you ready to be living on your own and traveling because in most in some leagues like Northwoods League you're playing 72 games in 70 days something like that I don't know I don't know if that's the right right number but that's just a guess um it definitely gets you ready for minor league baseball uh just the feel of it the the expectations and the travel uh but yes and I will say I've made some of my best friends for for life in summer ball so summer ball is definitely a really good thing and all of these leagues have have good competition uh even there's some I, I think that are emerging that have really good ball being played in it so I definitely think it's important it's a good thing is there a concern that you have next year maybe you slip a little you only hit 25 home runs instead of 27 or 28. Is is that a concern of yours at all? Mm -mm. Um, I've always lived by like control what you can control. And tomorrow's not promised. You never know what's going to happen in five minutes or however long after this meeting ends, I could, I could leave and get in a car wreck or something, but I'm not really worried about injuries. I mean, if it happens, it happens. If I'm not worried about failure, if it happens, it, it happens, but I'm going to work hard in the in the weight room and in the classroom on the field to make sure that I'm where I need to be come May, June, July for sure. I think the training staff's behind you with bubble wrap, just in case. That'd be great. Uh, I've been blessed, knock on wood, to stay durable and not have any injuries the past two years while playing every day. First trip through the Sun Belt. Give us the highs and lows. What's the best place to play outside of Troy? We know it's the best place ever. Where's the best place and the worst place to play in the Sun Belt? First off, I'll say the Sun Belt is a real league now for anybody that's wondering. We got there's so many gritty teams who just come after your neck and got some dudes in this league. I will say that I love Troy. It's uh it's home. Uh RPF is different than any other as far as the atmosphere, doubles alley, just the camaraderie of it. My favorite road trip this year was definitely Lafayette. Lafayette is awesome. I remember them. I think they were singing the seventh inning stretch song um, with no music. I think actually the music cut off halfway and they just kept singing the entire song. And it was one of the loudest things I've ever heard. That place is just awesome. Just by the, the looks with the trees in the back, um, the stadium's amazing. And they fed us some really, really good food afterwards. So. I definitely have a lot of respect for Lafayette. I think that's part of the ploy and the, and the draw of that stadium is is you're not focused on the game. You're focused on that that post-game meal that they're about to feed you. Yeah, I love me some Cajun food. It's it's amazing. The flip side, where where's the place you're like, God, we got to go there? It was definitely Marshall this year. We had to bus all the way there. And uh, <laughs> we, we did stop in Johnson City, Tennessee, and then make the rest of the way to Huntington. It is just for, well, they had the big stadium. I guess it's a minor league stadium that they play in. It was booked to some kind of, I don't know, I guess it was a travel ball or like a like a scout thing that weekend. It was rented out to like high school guys playing there. So we had to play at like a YMCA 
like field and it had it had holes in the grass. It was, it was scary. I make sure I tape my ankles, but the infield was turf, so the infield was nice. But uh, yeah, I think there was a ploy behind that too. Maybe I don't know. I just know it's it was hard. It was hard to win. We had to fight and claw our way through those three games, and it was raining. It was it was on it was nasty. Huntington was 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 definitely a a tough place to go and win for sure too. And the dreaded bus ride back too, that had a lot to go with it. So I'd say Louisiana was my favorite place to go, and Marshall was the t- uh, the roughest place to go in my opinion. So Shane, did you know? Anything else about Troy other than they beat LSU several years ago for football? Uh, not a ton before getting into the Sun Belt. Uh, I remember many years ago watching Troy beat Missouri on ESPN, and all they kept talking about during the game was how hard it was to get to Troy. <laughs> it is yes. hard to get to Troy. <laughs> <laughs> Troy is a city. Troy is a city. They were moving to somewhere in the Panhandle of Florida, and it fell off the helicopter and landed there. I know. It's like a seed that dropped out of a bird's mouth and just sort of, sort of grew. I tell you what, though, you can learn more about Troy if you just watch ESPN three and ESPN plus. So apparently, we we can we can we can learn more about other teams just by turning on the ESPN three machine and seeing what's on. I don't know why I said that. I thought there was a segue there and I kind it's of a plug. It. you're plugging it. <laughs> now we just have to come up with some plugs, promos and parting shots. Yes. And you know what? We still need like some sort of gong or something for that. So we should, we work, we should work on that. Now that we're on the new network, we need to up our game. We need to up our sound effects game. Just believe Jeremy. Shane, we what do you have for us? I think all I've really got is plugging the new network, you know, being on the Believe Network. I think it's going to be cool. It'll connect us to some other really good podcasts. I think there's some that even cover specific Sunbelt teams along with all kinds of uh, other sports podcasts. So I think it'll be pretty good for us. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the relationship with those guys and new technology and everything else that might help us kind of step up our game here. Yeah, and I hope that uh, Tibbs sends me back my microphone so I don't become the embarrassment of the Believe Network and their superior audio quality demands. That guy that was outside the hotel said he was your agent, so I just handed it to him. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Plugs, promos, and parting shots. Well, I do have one promo. Go to Howl Razor right now. Don't even wait. Go this instant. I have a 2,800-word preview of the A-State football season. It's a lot to unpack, but brother, I unpacked every bit of it. So, you know, do me a solid. Respect the game. Give me the click. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. HowRazor.com. Check it out. And I, I do have a parting shot which we we thought we might discuss it in depth, and I decided I would. We were asked to maybe participate in a a G5 poll, you know, top 25, who's the best in the G5, who's number two, three, all the way down to 25, right? Personally, I am opposed to any preseason poll. I don't care if it's the AP, the coaching poll. I don't, Shane, I know that you're a member, a legitimate member of the press. I'm sure you're asked to participate in these polls all the time. Let me tell you something. What you are doing is contributing to a, 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 
to, to a mechanism that just hurts college football in general. All it does, it puts the same old people up on a pedestal, and then we have to spend an entire college football season knocking them down so people that actually belong on that pedestal can get their time in the sun. So I am boycotting all preseason polls, unless, of course, Arkansas State appears on one of those preseason polls, in which case I'll become a big fan. I know who I will not be voting for in that preseason poll to uh, deflate that ego. <laughs> Do it. My plug is always warhawkreport.com. The latest information on the Warhawks wrapped up Sunbelt Media Days and gave a little preview there, having talked with Jaira Wright, the proposed starting quarterback for the season, as well as Aiden Hutchin, the defensive lineman transfer from Kent State. The guy brought out a notebook with all of the details and talking points since he was a guy that had not even played the first snap for the Warhawks and already was being brought to media days. So interesting to see how the season shakes out for them as always. And like you said, Shane, excited about being a part of the Believe Network. Excited to see what we can do now with Fun Belt Podcast as we uh, see kind of the sky's the limit. Hopefully it's not the big sky, but it's just this guy. Please, not the big sky. <laughs>